0: My parents had a two-bay garage. We were out of one bay of that garage. We were working on other brands of shocks. We understand how serious uh, the sport can be, and the way that the rule book is stated, that became an issue. We got told, stop doing that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you wanted it, you got it. The place for the untold, real, raw, and juicy stories of dirt track racing, it's Dirt Track Confession. And now, here's your host, Mandy Pouch Mahaney. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dirt Track Confessions. I'm your host, Mandy Pouch Mahaney. Today, we have an awesome guest, great friend, everyone everyone should know, probably knows, Brandon Plank. Brandon, how are you?
0: Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me. This is, oh. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool opportunity to come on here. And uh, it's something that we watch quite a bit. So to come on and, you know, talk with you, you know, for, for everyone to listen to is, is something certainly new to me but yeah excited to to kind of sit down with you here
1: oh we're we're going behind the scenes guys behind the scenes, it might have had to pull a few teeth for him to be here <laughs> <laughs> but he's here so for some that might not know Brandon um Brandon is dig race products uh you guys are based out of Cortland right Cortland New York
0: yeah yeah, Cortland New York where it's about 30 minutes south of Syracuse Um, so for like the, the central New York based customers, everyone kind of knows where Cortland is, but when we get down into that, uh, like tri-state area of customers like yourself, yeah, you have to start to use Syracuse or, or Binghamton as a reference plane. So,
1: so, um, so Brandon, we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to, we're going to dive into dig, uh, his business, but for some people to backtrack on, so Brandon grew up in racing, um, his dad, Dale, extremely successful very successful um has done a lot of stuff I mean I can't not talk about your mom <laughs> she's an amazing woman yeah. too. You have two beautiful parents I mean they've done an amazing job uh with you and your brother and it it's just it blows my mind all that you guys have accomplished and I mean Brandon how old are we like how
0: old are you uh 32 how old are you
1: 31. Oh, we're oh like, okay. We're like, the, we're like in the same age range. Yeah, yeah same. It, it amazes me both, both. Yeah, we're same class. Our dad's raised, our mom's like did the momming thing. Yeah, yeah. So kind of paint the picture for us. Like, what did life look like growing up for you?
0: Yeah, so I was actually talking to your brother a little bit about this, um, just with kind of both of our dads, you know, racing and um yeah so i i kind of picture it similar to anybody who grew up in a racing family you know everything is very centralized around race cars whether it's working in the shop throughout the weeks or uh going to the track itself um making road trips with my dad or or my mom or one of the crew guys to go pick up parts you know really everything um has always been you know centralized around racing um and for me my dad my dad really started his career uh racing a family car so owned by you know his dad and then i think it was like 2003 or 2000 ish i don't know it was still a little bit young there he started to run uh for other people so he had uh had kind of left uh owning his own cars um and family cars to uh, running for other guys and a couple of the teams were centrally located. Um, but then a couple of the teams that he ran for, for a long time, um, like when he ran um, uh, for a couple of guys up on the res, like that was four hours North. So he was gone uh, three days uh, out of the week and then uh, obviously traveling all over the place uh, racing. So, but it, it never really, um, I don't know, I guess I didn't really like realize that he was gone that much. Cause he was, you know, at, uh, most all of our lacrosse games and uh events and you know there was there was never a time where I was like man I haven't seen my dad in a while you know so um yeah so the the dynamic kind of changed just geographically um but yeah the the racing has certainly been a staple and um we were flipping through uh albums and um there was a a, a photo of my dad and uh, I forget which year it was in the the uh, like late 70s where, there was a photo of him as a little kid holding up a plaque and it was like Dale Plank dirt car, 1977 uh, dirt car fan of the year. And it was like presented by Glenn Donnelly. Um, so, you know, I'm not, you know, the, the first one to grow up in a racing uh, household, my dad kind of did the same thing. And, you know, just like I've been a, a fan my whole life, he's been a fan his whole life too, with his, his dad racing. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's something that's been, a staple for us in the the plank household just like it's been a, a staple in your household right so i think that we kind of relate on that same deal with mike really um you know with his dad racing and yeah it's like uh yeah it's it's just something we all kind of connect on
1: i think that's why we're friends not why but yeah right. like we we just you just get it right yeah just, like i i mean i didn't do sports in high school but growing up like dad was always gone dad missed out lot of things mom was always around mom was taking us here mom was taking us there and then it's like wow I mean you got to think about our dads like at least they got to do what they wanted to do right but at yeah. the same time it's like I don't know I mean I don't want to say they missed out on a lot but at the same time like I feel racing kept us together
0: yeah there's a dynamic there it so I don't know it's your podcast am I allowed to ask you questions is so like your dad your dad's uh, career, the teams that he kind of drove for, was that all really pretty centrally located to your guys' house or was there a bit of traveling there?
1: Or? I mean, by the time I really, well, I was born, dad was doing sprint cars. So
0: uh,
1: I think, is it Tower City Zemco's based out of? So there, dad didn't have to go and maintain those cars. So like he would just show up with a suitcase. But uh, by the time I was old enough, he was more flemington new egypt east windsor okay
0: a little bit closer
1: yeah so he was close i mean he still traveled but again by 2000s like he was he was maintaining the cars like home yeah okay
0: okay yeah so that helps you know just in, in the grand scheme of things there
1: yeah so um i like that you touched on that a little bit before is like you were i don't want to say you're a fan first but i always love is that it just still blows my mind is like, I knew your brother before I knew you. Like, so I think I was in my teens when, you know, I started hanging out with your brother and you know, he, he was into racing. Like, I'm not saying you weren't, if you race, but you know, you chose more of the mechanical side, which is interesting. So, you know, what, what would you say like fascinates you? Like, how did you decide? Did you ever dabble into racing?
0: Yeah yeah so i ran we me and my brother both ran carts we ran frozen ocean and paradise um for jeez i don't know since i was maybe 12 uh, we ran a bunch of go-karts um and then uh when steve was 16 17 ish we got a family crate car um and uh i continue to run some hit or miss go-kart stuff but it seemed like when steve started running big cars the, the focus really shifted to try to, you know, get him going in big cars. And um, he was in a unique situation where he really hit the ground running like a lot of guys who uh, get into a car. It takes them a while to get up to speed. And, um, you know, I'm not exaggerating. I think we were only three or four weeks in and Steve was battling for wins at weed sport in the crate class. Like he, he really picked it up quickly. Yeah. So I think when you factor in like how, well he was doing it almost pulled a little bit more resources or attention to that because i didn't have my permit yet right i was still uh you know my dad would take me to go run um you know paradise once in a while and it was awesome like i was having fun with it i thought like growing up that i was going to be a professional race car driver like my whole childhood. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) this is what my dad does. Why would I do anything different? Right? Like that's, it's doesn't, it's not even part of the equation. And uh, at a young age, I would probably say right around that time that I got into go-karts, my parents quickly put a nix to that uh, idea. You know, the, um, the concept of me.
1: Missed that window.
0: Yeah. And it's, I think that, I think that, you know, Anytime that you're trying to race for a living, there's a lot of highs and lows, right? Like the highs are awesome, like big wins and victories. It's awesome. But then the lows are really low in that regard, too. And I think that my parents really wanted uh, a different path uh, for us. So we were basically, we were able to race because we loved racing, but we knew that it was never going to be a career for us, at least, you know, like they, they kind of put a a kibosh on that early. So I kind of uh I put a big focus into uh playing lacrosse. Um so team sports um all through you know middle school and junior high and senior uh you know senior high and um I kind of started to form this idea that you know how can I be involved in the racing world but not as a driver. So I I never really imagined you know, having our own business, but I always knew that if I could go to school and get an education, uh, I would hope to be a part of a company within the racing industry. And um, probably like my sophomore year of high school, I really started to think about kind of what interests me the most and, um, you know, growing up around the race shop, I always loved you know, taking things apart and put things together and seeing how things work. And it really kind of pushed me towards that, uh, engineering route, but I didn't realize how hard engineering school is, to be honest with you. So, uh, um, I, I started to kind of formulate this plan. I, I wanted to go to school, uh, for engineering. Um, and I, I really wanted to play lacrosse at a high level as well. You know, it's, it's just like the the competitive nature in everybody, right? Like if you go do something, you want to try to play at the highest level. So, um, my sophomore year, I'm, I had a a meeting with a guidance counselor and I told her, I want to go, um, and play division one lacrosse. And I want to go to school for mechanical engineering. And she like about laughed me out of there. (laughs) She's like, well, (laughs) well, first off, like the lacrosse you might be able to do, right? I haven't seen you play, but if you're, you know, good enough and you can go compete at that level, that's great. But let's talk about the engineering side of things. And she started to tell me about how uh, a lot of these engineering students are in advanced math. They're in honors physics, honors chemistry, right? They're in all of these things that I haven't taken yet, but I'm about to. So I actually had to petition into all those classes. So I, I was going to these teachers, and um, I had to take a summer course in math, and uh, I knew that I needed these, you know, higher level kind of prerequisite classes, so I'm not going to say that I was kind of goofing off in high school, but I, you know, I certainly uh, stepped it up my junior and and senior year uh, after having that meeting, and she told me, like, basically, it's not possible unless you kind of kick yourself in gear here, so... Um yeah so then I uh was fortunate enough to um get a scholarship offer to Binghamton University. Um I got accepted into the engineering program there. Um so yeah I played 4 years of division the lacrosse and did just as many years of mechanical engineering. So that's a That's call
1: Dude, Listen, I remember it was so I went to a community college for my first two years and then I Okay. Yeah. And my guidance counselor, I told him, because I tried, I think my first two years, I tried like three different things. Because I was like, oh. Okay,
0: just searching a little bit.
1: Yeah, like trying to figure out what I wanted to be. And I finally figured it out. And I told him, and he was like, pretty, like straight looked at me. And he was like, you're better off just like dropping out of college. Because it's all a matter of the people you know. Okay. It's not wrong. But (laughs) I'm like. This is your job, and you're telling me to drop out.
0: And yeah, like, yeah, that's unique. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I like I still wish I knew who he was because he wasn't wrong, but at the same time, like he was wrong. I don't know. It was it was just so wild because it's like it's a different. I don't know. It, being in racing, like you, you needed to know the stuff that you learned to apply it. Me, yes, but like, did I end up doing public relations? Not really, no.
0: Yeah. And I think that, I think you probably take more than just the schooling out of it too. Like when you, when you went, you had to interact with other students and other people and, you know, but then again, you're probably using skills that you learned outside of that area to even interact in that atmosphere too. So yeah, it's, it's funny how things kind of like, how many times have you been asked what your GPA was? Like, it doesn't matter.
1: you know. I'd be happy to tell you because I was very proud, but no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No. Um, okay. So, well, okay. You did mechanics, but what, what led you in the direction of shocks?
0: Yeah. So, um, hold on. Sorry. I've been trying to get that itch for a while here. Um, Um, yeah. So kind of by chance, um, like growing up, uh, my dad always worked on his own shocks and, um, man, I remember even like in the, like mid to late 90s, um, there was conversations and uh, one of his crew guys always had a shock piston that he would kind of like flip around and you'd kind of tinker with. So, you know, as I was old enough to be in college at this point, I had a, a pretty good understanding of, of how a shock worked, you know, at least basic fundamentals. And, um, you know, he was working on his own shocks. So, uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily involved with with helping him very much. But I was understanding what he was doing and, you know, whether he was changing shims or themselves or bleed or, uh, you know, there's there's these different things that you can kind of tune a shock with. So I was familiar with shocks. And um, uh, the spring semester of my freshman year of college, um, uh, like my closest buddy actually sat down and uh, showed me a a job uh, description on Indeed that was a uh, suspension uh development or suspension design engineering internship and i was like man this is perfect yeah and it was uh pretty close to home it was over in ithaca new york um there was a place called high gear suspension so high gear specializes in the power sports industry uh, mainly shocks and kind of suspension components and linkages uh, in that power sports world so power sports meaning atvs snowmobiles motorcycles side-by-sides um, so, uh, I applied for the internship that summer and, uh, was able to, to kind of get that. It seemed like a natural fit with, uh, my, at least a basic knowledge of, of shocks, um, you know, from, from, you know, just growing up around my dad. So then at high gear, uh, intern that summer, and then it basically, um, evolved into any week or uh, break from college, uh, I was there, I was hooked. Like I, uh, they, they were doing, or we were doing, uh, development work, um, like product development for, um, OEM replacement parts. So there's a big, uh, uh, aftermarket world for guys like the DIY guys that want to replace their shock shafts to their Articat snowmobile in their own shop. Right. So, uh, we were, we were developing these, you know, product lines or, or, uh, adding to the product lines, Um, And then we were also uh, creating aftermarket components for like the, the major shock manufacturers. Um, So, so all the, the OEMs like the, the Polaris, the Articat, the Yamaha, there's a variety of shock brands. So there I was, I was doing, um, you know, engineering design and, and 3d modeling of, of these components, whether they're replacement parts or aftermarket components for, all these different brands. So I was kind of seeing inside of, of how all these different companies were kind of skinning the same cat, right? Like you see, ah, okay, this brand, uh, you know, does something this way. And then the other brand does something the other way. So I got to, uh, I had a lot of exposure to all these different brands and, you know, the machining processes behind it. And there's a, there's a lot that goes into shocks with surface finishes and tolerances and, you like assume you want everything shiny, but too shiny is actually sticky. So there's there's all these uh you know things that I learned. Um so that's that's really um what got me really involved with shocks, especially the the 3D modeling and engineering design behind it um and the kind of calculations that go with it. Um and then after college, um, I got hired on full time there um as essentially like the the lead you know product development engineer there. Um, and that's where I was, uh, before we, we started dig full time. So,
1: so shout out to the friend that found that ad on indeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ah. He's yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was a big help in, in college. He was, uh, his name is Keegan. He's a good dude. And, uh, Keegan, I Keegan was definitely smarter than me in college and he did a really good job at explaining things Mm -hmm. in a little bit simpler terms where it would let me go, aha, okay, yep, I understand this. So yeah. it was kind of like professor, then to Keegan, then to me, and then we all understood. So it worked out pretty good.
1: Okay, okay, so that's amazing. Um, And it amazes me. I mean, Mike actually told me about that job. I don't know how he knows, but he apparently... Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he's like, you got to ask him about how he got into shocks. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will ask him. So, okay, so you went from there um how does one even go about starting a business like this this goes back to my guidance counselor saying like hey you need to know yeah. people. You need to know people you know like what steps did you take did you um just start making shocks shocks and start dabbling like what did that look
0: like yeah know. yeah so it, it really ties back into my dad so um i i worked at Hager for a few years out of college and um you know, the, the power sports industry is, is cool, right? Like I have always liked things that look cool and go fast. It's right up my alley, but you know, the, the true love is certainly, you know, dirt modified racing, you know, in particular, but especially, you know, oval racing, oval track racing. So um, yeah. So I got to the point uh, where I was, um, uh, you know, working steadily and then uh, my dad was kind of going through some transitions of of stepping out of the driver's seat and doing uh consulting work um for a handful of drivers at that point he was kind of bouncing between um you know not not necessarily bouncing from one to the other but just working with a bunch at the same time like he would go on friday night with uh one and then go saturday night with the other and a midweek show with another and um it seemed like he was really enjoying that uh aspect of it kind of trying to relay his experiences and, uh, talking to, especially the younger drivers, like, Hey, I know that this isn't comfortable, but it's what, it's what it feels like. And it's gotta be done, right? Like you you're, he's kind of using that, uh, experience to help them. And so he was kind of transitioning to more of a consulting side of things. Um, these, these drivers that he was helping, he was working on their shocks, trying to kind of get the cars more drivable for the really green drivers that were really low experienced. He was like, tying the fronts down a ton uh, to make sure the car turns because if you get in a car for the first time and it doesn't turn, you become uncomfortable really quick. Um, so yeah, so he was working on shocks and he was doing consulting and um, I started to to kind of think about you know what it would be like to maybe uh, incorporate what he was doing into a business at that point. So the name dig like we get asked a lot like, hey, what's that stand for? Like, what's that what does that stand for and um it's not an acronym it doesn't you know necessarily stand for anything um we wanted to try to create uh a name that was kind of separated from our last name because of his you know racing career um and yeah so we 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 came up with dig and made the logo and dig kind of stuck but that's really how it it started so
1: okay so this just takes me back to things looking shiny and badass because that's like your brand. It's badass. I love it.
0: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that.
1: I love it. it. So, okay, you know, what was it like taking off with your business? I mean, because like, Oh, I'm just answer that question because I'm totally gonna get ahead of myself. <laughs> Are you enjoying this episode, want even more, or want a closer connection to the DTU fam? Join us over in Club DTU where you'll receive early access to all of our podcasts, live race day updates, exclusive content, special merchandise, discounts, a community chat, personal recognition, and so much more. All inside one place, Club DTU.
0: Yeah, okay. So so yeah, so we we started um really it really kind of a grassroots effort it was uh, my parents had a two-bay garage we were out of one bay of that garage and we were working on other brands of shocks and we probably did that for a year and a half where we were taking uh, you know existing shocks and revalving them and uh, you know going to the track and you know trying to work with guys and um, it got to the point where we were trying to make other brands of shocks do things that we were we couldn't get them to so what it turned into is is just with with my you know skill set of kind of designing and producing parts we started making parts for those other shocks and that became an issue like the the way that the rule book is stated is it needs to be an in-stock part with the manufacturer so we we kind of we didn't necessarily get our wrists left but we got kind of like told stop doing that right it's
1: a gray area
0: but you can yeah so <laughs> yeah so, so yeah so when that happened uh i kind of pitched it to my dad um like hey i think that you know we have some of these critical parts um already right like i think that we could uh you know maybe maybe create the rest of the shock you know so um that's when kind of the process uh started and that the, the actual design process of the shock took a while. Um, I was trying to do it uh, just on the weekends and at night, um, but it's a lot, you know, to, to make something like that, you know, that, that has so many intricacies to it. And um, you know, the, the tolerances are really tight on shocks. It, it kind of got to the point where I talked to Julie um, and
1: I was going to say, where's Julie fit into the mix
0: yeah.
1: of week, weeknights
0: yeah, big, a big part of it to actually get off the ground. So um, it, a little bit of backstory, I I really wanted to try to enter into the, the auto racing market. And um, I went through a, a, a quite lengthy process interview um, with a now competing shock brand. Um, and I thought that's what I was going to do. Like, I'm going to go and, you know, be an engineer at a, a different company, right. company X and uh ah, yeah,
1: X, I like that let's do company it
0: X. and uh yeah so I thought I was going to do that and um I kind of did some soul searching with with my parents and um you know it, it would have been abandoning uh the dig brand um cuz you can't really you know be at a company and then you know have your your dad home competing against you right like that's just not the dynamic we were looking for and um yeah so I I kind of relayed my I don't know if it was dreams, maybe hopes to, to Julie about, uh, what I thought we could, could do and what I thought we could make and, you know, maybe the potential of what it could turn into. And, um, she told me that if I wanted to, uh, you know, try to do this full time and, you know, dedicate all of the, uh, effort and resources to, to developing a shock and, you know, trying to bring it to market. She said, I have six months. So,
1: yeah.
0: I, was, I was like, "Go ahead, honey. It's gonna be great." She gave you a yeah. 10. Well, she just For she her. basically said she basically said, "Give it six months and let's see where it's at." Right at the at the end of the six months, if it looks like it's not going to materialize, you gotta go get another engineering job. Right. So I've always kind of like leaned on that as like, okay, worst case scenario, I can rely on this you know skill set. If I need to go get a job, I hopefully can go get another job, right? It's still an unknown. Okay. Um, so then six months passed by and we still didn't have anything other than like 3D printed models uh, of like body caps. We spent we spent a long time just trying to, we would walk the pit area or I would walk the pit area and I would, excuse me, I would go to everyone's pit boxes and ask them what, what brand of uh, tools they use. And a guy would say I use snap on Mac craftsman. Right. And I was actually measuring all of the three quarter inch, uh, ratchet wrenches, um, because I wanted to make sure that the actual body cap on her shock, uh, had a relief, uh, so that you could actually get a ratchet wrench on. Um, so just kind of an ergonomic thing, but man, I spent a while just trying to make sure that no matter what brand of tool this guy has, he's going to be able to install the shock on his car. Um, so yeah, so we went through a bunch of 3D print revisions and um at the end of six months we we had a 3D print, we had a model. Um, and then Julie basically said, like, all right, it's it's making progress. Let's give it another six months. So that'll be a year. And uh yeah, I mean, that was in 2017. So we're we're seven years later now, and we had a couple shock lines, and we're not in my parents' garage anymore. And yeah.
1: Let's hey. go. And yeah, wait, give a shout out because like uh, newly married, congratulations.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. And that's uh yeah, she's great. And um, yeah, she's a, a big part of this deal. And every time that I like tell somebody that story, whether we're at, at like a trade show or even some of my family members that didn't know, she always sits in the back and she's like, I didn't do anything. It's like, well, you you might not have like felt like you were doing anything, but I really don't know if if Dig would have materialized into what it is without her saying like, yeah, let's let's go for it, and you know we'll we'll figure it out if it doesn't work out. So
1: need that that like mm, backbone. <laughs>
0: yeah, I needed it. I needed yeah. that.
1: Oh, she's amazing. You know, but oh.
0: Really thankful for that. So well, we love her. I love. Yeah, her. she's great.
1: Um. Okay. So been yeah. seven years. Let's talk about like you have a lot of serious race teams that run your shocks. Um. What is that like knowing where you started seven years ago in, yeah. I, I, w- I want to say like in mom and dad's basement, but apparently it was in the garage, but no, like- it,
0: was a, it wasn't a big garage. It wasn't a big garage. I th- I would want to say the space that we were in was maybe like 200 square feet, like 20 by 10 would be a good, mm-hmm. good uh, analogy. I was talking to my mom about that. We, we put an addition on the shop here um, and she had asked, you know, what is the total square footage now? And I was like, I think it's like around 2,800 square feet. She's like, it's a lot bigger than our, than our single car garage. So yeah. yeah, we've, we've certainly, we went from my parents' garage and then we rented a commercial space, um, that was, I don't know, that was probably still small, less than a thousand square feet. Um, and then we were able to purchase this building and then put an addition on. Um, so it's nice having, a. You know, kind of a commercial storefront space just off the highway to to come to. So that's
1: amazing. So okay, like again, so you went from the small car garage to the building you're located.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about the drivers. You know, like. Oh yeah, sorry, I derailed from that. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing yeah. you. I'm bringing you back in. I got you. Yeah. I'm-
0: sorry. Sorry.
1: How does that feel? Like that's a. Yeah. No. It's. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's really. It's really. know uh something to be really proud of and you know a lot of these guys um you know especially the the more experienced guys are guys that i grew up watching every weekend right my dad was racing against these guys like um you know i uh, i guess the first ones that come to mind are like jimmy phelps and and alan johnson like these guys are really good race car drivers and you know i really wasn't happy when they pulled in the the gate to race against my dad right like they're you know established and you know have a lot of success Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's, our customer base is, is unique because we have the experienced guys that have won a bunch. And then we have, um, experienced guys that are ultra capable of winning like Mike and, um, you know, and then we have, uh, kind of really young guys too, like a Tanner Van Doren comes to mind as, as being a young kid. That's, that's really capable and, you know, learning a lot all the time, um, and then, and then we have guys that are just racing for fun and some guys are racing because it's a bucket list thing that maybe they wanted to do. Um, like they retire and they buy a car. So what do they need to go race? Um, yeah, there's, there's kind of a big variety of, of, you know, experience level, but yeah, the, the touring, uh, modified teams who are, you know, racing for a living and, and racing at a really high level. And, Uh, you know have expectations and you know are capable of going and winning big races Um, yeah that'll that'll get you nerved up uh, you know trying to to deliver the best product or best service um, you know to to try to be a a small part of that you know success when it does come
1: yeah okay oh as if shocks are a small part of the well they're Like you're, you're playing yourself down. No,
0: it's no, they're, they're certainly important, but you know, it, it takes a whole package. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's really difficult, but yeah, they're, they're a a big, they're, they're a big part of the way that it handles. That's for sure.
1: Okay. So I, I don't know if I've ever told you, not that it matters, but like anyone that ever asks, like, I always talk you and your dad up, like you, your family, like everything dig. It's like,
0: Oh yeah. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, anytime. That's why you're here.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I just, I love your customer support. You know, you guys like you're always, people would say, ask me, I mean, ask Mike, but ask me like, Oh, what do you think of dig shocks? I'm like, they're at every race. They are yeah. always there like customer support. Like top line i mean there's plenty of other brands out there and companies and shocks but you guys are like you are hub central you know and so that kind of has me want to touch on like i know it's you and dad but like have have, has it ever crossed your mind to venture outside of modifieds and sportsmen
0: yeah i mean we're yeah, we we're we're at the races because we want to be there, to be honest with you, like nobody's obviously nobody's paying us to be there. um but yeah we we like going to the races, and our heart definitely lies in our style of modifieds, but it doesn't mean that we don't like other types of racing um primarily their oval track stuff like I don't uh, you know, there's a couple markets that I don't think you'll ever see us in, um, but we've we've um yeah we've started to enter into a couple different markets like we um we have a couple street stock cars um that have had you know success like jimmy blew won that big 10 grand race or 10 grand to win race um at bridgeport and that was on dig shocks and um we've been uh, uh having uh we probably have jeez i don't know maybe 10 to 12 mod light cars on digs now too um yeah like kyle demo switched at brewerton and Um, he had success right out of the bat or right out of the gate, which is cool. I don't know. We're, we've been talking about some things. It's hard to, it's hard to point in a direction, um, until we're doing it. But, um, yeah, we, we have, um, yeah, we have a really kind of great distribution network, um, inside New York and, uh, Pennsylvania and Quebec and dealer in Australia. And, um, yeah, we've been, we've been talking about trying to do something, um, but it's, it's on the, uh, yeah, it's on the, um, smaller car side of things. So
1: that is amazing. I can't wait until we talk again in another seven years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll (laughs) see see where it is.
1: Yeah. When there's going to be like 20 of you guys, instead of just you and dad, it's going to be, oh my God. So, okay. Let's tap kind of like more entrepreneurial side here. Like, okay. Like I said earlier, your brand—you know, holding yourself together, representing your business. Like I know what that's all about because I went to school to learn about reputation, you know. Yeah. But you, I love that you—you you always come across as very serious, you know. I feel you do like such a phenomenal job, you know, upholding yeah, your welcome, upholding your brand. But like, you know, it's gotta be hard. I—I I don't know. I don't know because like I—I I relate you and Mike very similarly because i feel like you guys have very similar personalities like take away from the track you guys are fun as hell right but when you're there it's like game on race mode it's all business you know no one knows otherwise
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think i get that from my dad a little bit like obviously you know my dad is like when you when you take the the serious stuff away he's he's having a good time and he's the first one to crack a joke to you um but yeah i think that I think that it's maybe because uh, we understand how serious uh, the sport can be, and especially on like the product side of things, you know, guys are spending hard-earned money uh, on a product and a service to go along with it. Um, so, I mean, the last thing that we want is for somebody to think that we're not taking it seriously because we are. Um, you know, so when you when you factor in the finance, you know, the financial side of things along with like that true kind of desire to win. I think that's where it kind of gets like we're locked in. we're we're doing our best, and we're we're focused on the race until the, you know race is over. Um, and and I think that it's it's something where I don't know, maybe I'll relate it back to like playing college sports, like uh, uh, as you would travel with a team, you travel wearing, you know, your full team's colors, right? So when you go out to dinner, when you are even walking around campus, if you are wearing your team uh, on your chest, you are expected to, or were expected to essentially be <laughs> proper. Um, you represent so I, yeah. 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 And it's, it's not even, I don't really view it as an act. You know, I think it's just kind of been engraved in, in me. And uh, I really try to myself and uh we we genuinely want to win like we've we've never had a conversation uh where my dad and i have sat in this office and said how are we going to sell more shocks like the 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 conversation is never there it's it's always you know how are we going to get a little bit more grip how are we going to get maybe a little bit more control in areas where the cars are a little bouncy or um yeah like the the focus is uh, winning essentially. Um, and it's a performance-based industry and it's, it's pretty cutthroat. Like if you're in a performance-based industry, you got to try to perform at the highest level. And I think that's maybe where that seriousness comes from.
1: I feel it's, what is it? Uh, quality over quantity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're lucky that we have a lot of guys now. And, um, you know, there's a lot of shocks out there. Um, but yeah, every every shock that gets sent out the door is, you know, mainly built by my dad and uh yeah, myself. So there's if there's an issue, we always joke around. Like if there's any issue, it's his fault. And he says <laughs> the same thing about me. Like if there's any issue, it's probably Brandon. So
1: oh, no, it's you or Dale.
0: Well, we like point the finger at each other, right? Okay, so you. it just depends on who you ask. So, okay. but no, he, so he does a really good job.
1: That totally has me wanting to know, like if you're okay with sharing it. Is, oh he gives me the head tilt is like, yeah. they're, like like mental struggles you know like with running your own business with knowing that these people are trusting you to like bolt these onto their cars you know yeah um I, I don't know I feel like yeah he's so anxious I no, you have the confidence of course but at the same time it's like all of these people are taking trust in you
0: yeah Yeah, there's certainly a there's certainly a pressure factor there, um, you know, that we both feel my dad and I both feel that. And um, it's a situation where we try to take kind of liability where liability is due, um, you know, and it's it's something where sometimes if a situation happens, you have to kind of look at like, could this have been avoided on our end? Yes or no. Right. Like if if it could have been. Then we need to essentially own up to that and try to figure out a solution that it, it doesn't happen again. And then sometimes there's situations that are just outside of your control that are tough to, you know, take liability for like, uh, um, you know, like if you're racing with a guy and you make heavy contact with a lap car while you're leading. Right. And then something breaks, whether it's the shock or uh, whatever, right. If, if there's contact, or I guess if there's a reason for it breaking, it certainly makes you, you feel better about it. Um, but yeah, we, we try to, we try to keep, you know, the quality as high as absolutely possible. And, um, I think when we, when we push so hard to deliver kind of the best product that we're you know physically capable of, if there is any issue, um, we essentially tried our best right like it if if something does break it reached a limit that it just couldn't take right and it it broke so mainly you know like we're in our world we use a half inch diameter shock shaft um and i should knock on wood because it's not overly common um but but yeah you know things things break we're asking a lot out of that you know shaft and um yeah it's it's something where we we try to order the you know best material we can and you know it's a yeah it's certainly a it can be a, a mentally tasking thing because i guess i'm kind of rambling here but because because it is something that you know it is designed by us and you know even if i make it in the computer i i run it by my dad or uh we we 3d print a lot of stuff and Um, You know, it's a, it's a team decision and my dad makes revisions and then we tweak on it from there. And um, you know, some things are just purely uh, created by necessity, right? Like my dad will spend an afternoon working on a shock and he'll say, man, I I wish we could just get it to do this instead of this, you know, what is going on here? And then maybe that generates uh, a new product internally. Um, So because we're Creating the stuff ourselves, you end up kind of feeling like it's your little baby. So, yeah. so somebody like bashes it or or doesn't like it or whatever the case is, you like take it personally. It's like okay, you you ran a couple of races and you didn't like dig shocks, and you're like, oh, wow, well, <laughs> means you don't like me. Like I I really tried my best on that, right?
1: Yeah. Oh my god. So, and I always love 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 when you guys like. Mike wins, you're like one of the first ones to tax us. Oh, like, that, like so you, you genuinely, like, I don't want to say vicariously live through us, but like you, you, like you said, you feel like you are a part of the team. And I, yeah. I love That's it. It's everything. It's yeah.
0: Everything. No, I am. I am living vicariously through you guys. Like, I'm, uh, you know, Mike included anybody who's like really good at driving race cars. I'm incredibly jealous of that. Like, I remember I wanted to be a race car driver. Right. So, and I, I'm not good at it. Like I've, I've hot lapped a couple of cars and.
1: You found what you're good at, dude.
0: You've yeah. Yeah. But I want to be a good race car driver deep down. I want to be good at that. So. There's still time. There's
1: still time. <laughs> we got you. So, um, okay. I feel like you kind of might touch on this a little bit, but like, what would you say were some learning curves of running your business or. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, going to school for engineering, you don't really learn, uh, necessarily, a lot about um, like the 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 business planning side of things, um, and I really felt like we were doing an okay job, really, right up until COVID hit. And when the the traditional uh, material suppliers that go to the machine shop are just telling you that there's no material to be sent, right? It's a it's a big issue. So I think. I think that was probably one of the struggles was trying to uh maybe forecast a little bit further out um in in time Helped that too like we got an idea okay we sell on average x amount of shocks per year x of them are steel x of them are aluminum so we're able to kind of stay uh up on you know whether it's raw material ordering or or uh, o-ring ordering like we we went through a phase where there's one o-ring in a shock where every place we called was telling us it was 10 to 12 week lead time uh to get this o-ring and that's a big issue when every shock you make takes that same o-ring right so that that was certainly a struggle and um i i've really leaned on my mom um for for the uh the kind of accounting and bookkeeping side of things um so so my dad is is you know essentially uh everything shocks and setup and car and um really lean on him and his expertise in that regard and then my mom is also um she works at cornell full-time but uh seems like right when she gets off work she heads this way uh over to the shop and um she's the one who kind of helped um uh, form the business entity and uh like when we filed for an llc i didn't really know what that entailed and um, yeah, now we have, uh, uh, the building and, um, we invested in a, uh, Haas CNC turning center. Um, so now, uh, we're, we're depreciating things and, you know, all this, the, the tax side of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's,
0: yeah. It's just, it's, it's kind of turned into a case where it's like, if there's anything that you need from me, let me know. Um, and she's, you know, really helping handle that. But, you know, if I were to, if I were to go back and maybe take an elective, or maybe you know do some more research on things, I probably would have focused a little bit more on that, um, you know, accounting, bookkeeping, tax side of things. Um, so yeah, she's she's really holding me up there, like uh, with with a lot of help. Lover, lover.
1: Her. Um, hey, I took an accounting class.
0: Really oh, you good. did. Okay.
1: Did I didn't like it,
0: but I passed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it, but I passed. <laughs> Not yeah, my it, cup of
1: tea.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was. I was actually just thinking about you, um, like as I was talking there, because one thing with us, because it's just me and my dad, we're we've really developed a, a big network of of people and kind of utilizing the skills that they're good at. Um, so whether it's our you know distributors kind of helping us uh through like hey how many of these things should we be ordering every year or um you know we've even had situations where like mike and uh other drivers have said like hey uh you know internally i think if we introduced this it might be a little bit better or we could do something a little bit different maybe maybe it's not an improvement or or a disadvantage maybe it's just we could increase our capabilities if we did this and then like with yourself and like the commercial, like people always ask me like, Hey, who, Hey, who made the commercial? Like that thing's cool. So, and then I, I got to give you your plug there on, on a, you know, making a cool commercial and yeah, it's going to keep on this year as well. We're going to run the same one for a bit at least. So until you, until you make another one, we're using it. Okay.
1: No pressure. No,
0: yeah, no, no pressure. Yeah.
1: It helps to know people, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's cool. And, and you know, people that are able to do things at a high level and that's, you know, cool to, to be surrounded with. So
1: we all work together and I love that. So we'll wrap this up. Um, what would you say like tip, any kind of tip? It can be a business tip. It can be a shock tip. It can be, Oh man. Don't get married tip. I don't know.
0: No, no. Yeah. If you, uh, yeah. Um,
1: we're definitely, know, we we're, we're promoting marriage, just, I guess. Yes.
0: Promoting marriage. You know, uh, yep. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I I was kind of, when you told me, or when we kind of talked and we were talking about the entrepreneur, uh, you know, side of things or, or starting a business Um, I was kind of trying to think of, of maybe like my best advice or like hardest lesson learned maybe Um, in that, that part's really tough because, when you start your business, it's, it might not be the same as somebody else's. And if somebody else has one that's really similar, they're probably not going to talk to you about it. And the, in the road, the road isn't necessarily paved. So I guess, I guess one thing that, that I've kind of like set out to do, or we we've collectively set out to do at dig is um, we we've tried to let the business kind of scale itself based on its own success. So essentially it's it's let's start with this product if it sells and uh we have success with it we can use the proceeds to maybe do the next one right or if you sell a you know a bunch of shocks and you can now put more in stock so you know instead of instead of trying to like go and get a bunch of you know financing together or or, you know use up a bunch of kind of liquid capital um, try to try to let it scale itself and and kind of grow organically. Um, and yeah, when you got good drivers and people and distributors and uh, you know supporters, uh, it'll grow itself. And you know, I'm super thankful for for everybody that that kind of stands behind the Dig brand and um, yes, helps us go. It's I I feel like I'm kind of being viewed as the face. But you know it's it's certainly my dad is is a huge part of it and um, as equal part of it as as I am and um, you know it's it's everybody behind it that that pushes it. So if you can if you can get something off the ground get people behind it and let it kind of organically grow, I really think that's the best kind of path not because that's what we've tried to do, but just because I I feel like it's less scary maybe to to.
1: It's word of mouth, but it's organic marketing. It's it's genius. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to let you go because obviously yeah. you are needed. um, Dude, thank you so much for being on here. Nailed it. I appreciate
0: it. It's yeah. Great. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so everyone, if you're watching, listening, like this, share this, tag Brandon, tag Dig. Go get yourself some shocks. If you're not on Dig yet, you, you're wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: you're not on it. You are wrong. We're gonna make new T-shirts of that this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think that's oh, gonna get approved. I know
1: but... it's too cocky. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, I
0: know.
1: it's fine. I'm gonna make. I'm no. gonna make it myself. I'll make it myself. It's fine. But um, dude, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you guys at the races. So, yeah.